Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. We're going to fire a Q&A today. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Mance. Coach, how are we doing? Hey, let's talk. Let's get right into what happened at the state track meet with those delays. And you had how many throwers did you guys take? Three, just from Kimberly alone. So yeah. just the what boys about, program. Like, do you, do you have any idea how many kids from the club were there off the top of your head? You had uh, there was there was fifteen that were oh. state qualifiers at the club. Yeah, a lot of them placed really well, and Man. super excited for all those individuals. And and not only just for the state qualifiers and you know their success there, but a lot of kids just made unbelievable gains throughout the season, and that was so gratifying to see. Well. To our listeners out there that know or have throwers out there, success leaves clues. We'll just leave it at that. But let's talk about some of those weather delays, dog. I mean, we talk yeah. about, you know, no built-ins, not flinching, being adaptable. That was like probably nothing you've ever had to experience. I know as a as a coach, you know, strength coach and performance coach for some of the athletes that were there, you know, I'm I'm at home watching it on the on the the casts they have and again they do a great job of updating those sites so you can follow the results i got parents texting me man that sounded like a tough situation for those kids if i was having a tough time following it at home i couldn't imagine what it would be like for you guys maybe talk to talk to us a little bit about how you guys tried to adapt with the athletes and stuff like that because weather delays are you know they happen and usually you're not prepared for them but you know what are some of the things you guys did and things like that it was crazy well, first of all, you know, kudos to the WIA and to all the volunteers that make that state meet so special. I think a lot of people don't understand the the time and the hard work that you know goes into running a meet. And you, let's give huge kudos to UW Lacrosse as well, with unbelievable hospitality and great facilities, and they've been doing it for years and years. But that the weather delay definitely was something that you know makes a big difference in kids. I always say the rule is always at state is one third of kids are going to do what they normally do in those type of situations in a, in a big meet such as a state meet one third will do worse than they normally would do and one third will outperform themselves and that's usually what we see you've been down to state brian you know it's an incredible atmosphere and you got ten thousand people there and everybody's crazy and enthusiastic about the sport of track and field but when you have a weather delay, I think it affects athletes much differently. And, I, you know, there's always some anxiety that goes with performing in front of lots of people and being on a big stage. But I was very proud of the way my three athletes handled that in those situations because it was a long, long delay. And, you know, it's a delay for everybody. And I always say control the controllables. And we didn't get done competing and I can get the kids back to the hotel till 1.30 in the morning. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah. And so, there were no people competing at that time. No. Right. There were very few. The lights went out. You know, unfortunately, yeah. things happen. And, you know, there's nothing you can do in those situations. But just do the best you can. Be where your feet are. And there was no meat that you can really have ever experience where you're throwing underneath, you know, under the lights. Right. And that's a whole different experience. And, you know, talk about safety, that disc is getting thrown up there real high. It's dark. You know, you're worried about people that are workers out there that making sure they don't get hit 
with a discus <laughs> because when people are throwing it yeah. 200 feet, you, you worry about it and how it curves and, and so that, you know, safety was a concern, but they had the lights on. And I thought it was a remarkable opportunity for kids to be able to do something that nobody else has done. And that's thrown yeah. under the lights. So yeah. I took it to my kids. I said, Hey, listen, it's been a long delay. I know you're anxious. You know, you have to hit the switch. You got to be ready to go. But look at this atmosphere. Right. I mean, how incredible is this? You're throwing at 11 o'clock at night. And what a great opportunity. And, and one of the individuals was a sophomore. And, and I thought, God, what a great opportunity for you as a sophomore to be just here at state, but also all three of the guys that that I coached had the opportunity. They knew and they visualized themselves being on the podium. So I was super proud. We got back at 1.30, which is now Saturday morning, and they have to get up and perform one of the guys, two, two of the guys that were there had to get up and perform and do the shot put on Saturday. Yeah. So you talk about trying to get as much sleep as you can, because we know sleep is the number one recovery modality. Boom. And then it was get a good breakfast and then off to, to the stadium again. And for those guys to stand there that whole entire time and have those delays and then be able to compete. And then for one of the individuals was just there. He was just watching the whole time and he was just, you know, be tired just from being out there for that long of a time frame, And then to be able to refocus was incredible. And, you know, two of the guys, uh, one guy took um, second in the shot put, one guy yep. took third in the shot put. So two, three at the state meet division one is just an incredible experience. And then the other one took third in the discus. And so all three guys went down there. All three guys had to deal with some adversity all three guys are going to be all state throwers. So incredibly proud of those individuals. And it's just awesome to see everybody be able to compete. Let's be honest. They got that meet done and we didn't have to go into a Sunday. I remember one right. year, Brian, we went and we had to stay over another night, sure. Saturday night in Alaska as well. And then we had to, not a bad thing. Sunday. No, it's a great city. I love, <laughs> love a lot of great people from there, but we didn't get back till Sunday night. Yeah. So, we, we still got back, and, you know, from Appleton to there, it's a three-hour drive. And the only thing, you know, you're always ultra careful for is a lot of deer on that drive yep. back home. It's dark, and you're always worried about, you know, kids' safety. So, But everything went great and super, super great experience, and it was awesome to see everybody participate at UW Lacrosse at the state track meet. Well, I think, Dean, one of the things that really gets overlooked there is nutrition, right? And you were talking to me there – there's not a lot of places open at midnight where you can get food. And so quick like, trip. typically quick trip is the place. Now, if you've educated your kids on nutrition and making the right choices, they, they have a lot of choices. Obviously they got tons of different protein shakes. They got bars, they got, you know, they got beef jerky, you know, they've got um, hard boiled eggs. They've got a lot of good, you know, they got wraps, they got, you know, some sandwiches that you can get but you can really get sucked into eating some bad food. And again, in a situation like that, where you're not getting probably as much sleep, hydration, nutrition is you got to play catch up and make sure you're not dropping in some of those other areas that you control. Um, I thought it was interesting. The point you brought up, why do you, you know, before we even get into our Q and a, I got a question for you. Why do you think that you have that one third, one third, one third? I, to me, when I heard you talk, Dean, 
when you said a third of the kids do exactly what you expect them to do, right? A yep. third of the kids do better than what you expect them to do. And there's that third that don't. When I heard you say that, we've talked about this quite a bit. To me, the kids that have a great routine in preparation are the kids that end up either performing the way you expect them to or overperforming because it's just like another meat to them. The, the kids that show up and, and maybe don't have a solid routine and now you're talking about you're under the lights. Now this is a different environment. That to me, you know, kids get tight. They start to nerve up. You know, they see some kids, you know, on either side of them when they're running. Maybe they kids that have run better times than them, and they know that coming in. Um, I think a lot of times kids just aren't prepared, and they don't have that routine to mentally get set and ready to go. I don't know. What do you, what do you think on that? Oh, Brian, there's no question about it. The yeah. best guys and gals that perform they have a routine and no matter what they're not worried about the noise around them they're just being where their feet are and they're taking care of the things that they can control and i think it's the same way in the weight room the people that have the routine and warm up properly and understand how their body works and get under that bar with the belief that they are going to get stronger today and their effort is very very high and they're giving everything they can are going to get better results from the program. Yeah. We know that you can have a program and you can have hundreds of kids do the same program, but you're going to get a hundred different results. Sure. And it starts with mental training. It starts with your mind. You got to believe it before you can achieve it. Like they always say, but you have to rehearse that. You just can't have that stuff on walls and weight room. And you can't just say it. It's got to be part of your culture, Brian. Correct. It's going to be part of the athlete's routine, and it's got to be re-emphasized over and over and over and over. Well, Dean, I, I think, you know, what a great experience, you know, going to state. And we just had, you know, a couple of our softball girls were fortunate enough to win a state title from Broadhead. Uh, very excited for them. Obviously, the baseball playoffs are now, you know, tennis just finished up. The Middleton Cardinals in our area took second. Um, you know, baseball is coming up this week. You know, a lot of great things in the state, but let's get to these questions here, dog. We got some some really good ones, and one obviously pertains right into summer training, so we're going to fire off number one here. We have a lot of kids attending summer camps. How should we handle kids that are constantly missing workouts? <laughs> um, Brian, that's a difficult one. I can yeah. start with that if yeah, you want. because you're in the school setting, and we see it, you know, we have, quite honestly, Dean, we have a little more flexibility in the private setting than you guys have in the school setting, but you know, for you guys, you know, how do you guys handle that there? Because it's it's becoming more and more prevalent, obviously. Well, we touched on it in the last podcast, Brian. And first of all, I think that athletes, you need to get together with your sport coach and first of all, find out if you're not going to be in your training facility or you're not going to be routinely working out, whether it's in the private sector at Sports Advantage, whether it's in a school setting, is is are you really doing what's best for you? as an athlete, because we talked about this. Some of these camps are unrealistic for some individuals and they're not going to get the best bang for their buck. And just by, because some college says, Hey, you got to go to camp. Doesn't mean you have to go to 10 camps over the summer and they don't have to cost a ton of money and go all over the nation to go to these camps. So I think you got to come up with a game plan right away as an athlete. What, first of all, what am I trying to get out of the camp? Correct. That is crucial. I mean, if, if and then I have to realistically look at my athletic abilities. And what I found out, Brian, is 
so many kids are so unrealistic with where they can end up playing. Correct. And I think them are, you, you know, those are conversations sport coaches need to be realistic because I think kids are getting misinformation, unfortunately. And I don't think you do the best for that person when you overinflate their ability levels. And I'm not against, you know, kids have dreams, kids have goals. I'm all for that. We never can exactly, you know, predict where somebody's going to be. But I think we lost some reality, Brian. And I think having that conversation with your coach and then understanding what am I trying to do? Am I trying to get better as a sport athlete or am I trying to get recognition for somebody to try to see me? What am I trying to do? Or am I going to this camp because it's the biggest camp in this state that we live in? And, you know, so those things all got to be taken care of. So communication, communication, communication. Because I see a lot of sport athletes wasting their parents' money, their time, and then really, they really get discouraged by going to some of these camps. And it actually turns them off. Right. Actually hurting their development as far as who they are trying to become. So you have to look at those situations. And then after you communicate with the sport coach, you got to communicate with the strength and conditioning coach. And I know from a football standpoint, a lot of football coaches are in the weight room. So that's easy there. Maybe you're in a different sport. It might be a little bit more difficult. Every situation is different. Every school district's different. Every private situation is different. You have to make sure that you are communicating. And athletes, don't just do stuff without getting opinions of the people that know you the best and that have your best interest. And this is where you really have to be careful because just because you go to a certain situation, are they after your money? Are they after, you know, all this different kind of stuff because, or are they really what's best for you? And I think that's the biggest thing I can say about sports advantage. When I've seen your athletes and you talk to their athletes and their parents, you got their best interest and you're not afraid to have, I would say those uncomfortable conversations, but everybody that knows you, Brian, and the genuine person you are, you are going to do what's best for that individual, no matter what sport they play and everything else. I have found a lot of times is sometimes kids do too much and they end up getting hurt, which right. we say a lot. And they go from nothing, no contact, for example, in the game of football, to all-out crazy contact. Right. And all of a sudden, then they wonder why they're hurt. Right. Well, they haven't done anything, and all of a sudden, boom, the pads go on, and all of a sudden, the individual does way too much and gets hurt. So you got to look at it. Is it really going to be worth it from an injury standpoint? Then, too, is your body prepared for this? Right. So what does the camp do? Is it camp just... When you, when you look at the camp, you know, how many sessions are you having? How long is it? Is it a contact? Is it a non-contact? Are they going to be doing physical skills such as testing your vertical jump, your broad jump, your 40-yard dash? So I think you really got to look at what does the camp offer? What do you have to be prepared for? In an instance where sports advantage, you can have that person ready for that camp and have them test really well 
because obviously you know a lot about that and we could do the same in our setting as well you can do a much better job because obviously you're dealing with a lot yeah, smaller less groups yeah smaller groups and that, and that's crucial and i think that's one of the biggest things is if there was a sports advantage around us and a kid was going to a oh, camp, right? send him, oh, oh, we send him oh, right oh, over there. Oh, oh, oh. Yes, no. maybe coming oh, soon, I don't know. <laughs> but there's the advantage because in our setting, there's so many numbers. Right. And now you can get to the intricacies of testing without wasting a lot of other kids' time and get those people training. So long story here. I know I'm getting long-winded, but you got to communicate. But then the athlete has to understand and the coach has to understand that we got to do what's best for them. And that might be less on my part as a strength and conditioning high school coach, or maybe on your part and getting that person to feel confident going into the camp. And so they can maybe test well if they're doing testing and more importantly, making sure the individual doesn't get hurt. So that's that's big stuff there. You know, and a lot of those kids are coming off a of spring season, whether, you know, if we use football camps as, as kind of our explanation tool, a lot of those kids are coming off baseball, they're coming off lacrosse, or they're coming off track. Well, none of those are really collision sports. You know, lacrosse, there's some contact in there, things like that. But, you know, baseball, unless you're getting hit by pitches, you're not getting hit by anything. And obviously track, you know, you're running and throwing and jumping. So, to hop right out of those sports and go to a, a, you know, a padded camp, you know, in my opinion, and, you know, whether anybody likes to hear this or not, maybe one of the worst decisions you can make as an athlete. There's a reason why the NCAA, there's a reason why the NFL, there's a reason why the WIA have built in acclimation periods before the season starts. And this goes for coaches and your contact days too. The first day, you know, I, I don't know what the rules are, but if you're, you know, those five days in the summer, Um, if the majority of those are padded and you're hitting, you're probably not making the right choices long-term for your kids. There's a reason why, you know, a lot, you know, from the top down NFL, um, you know, I talked to Rob and I think they went, you know, in some, in pads, like 14 times during the whole season for practice. Now, again, you're talking about pros and you're talking about guys that, you know, probably don't need to be hitting each other during practice, which is understandable. But even in college, you know, it's the, the the padded practices, things like that are going away. So to go to a padded practice where, you you know, there's a lot of contact probably isn't the right choice. The second thing that I, and we say this so much on this podcast, Dean, man, those WEAC schools are really good. You know, those WEAC schools, there's great opportunities to continue to play and get a great education and get a great college experience. So if you're not getting recruited by our WEAC schools in the state, um, and again, I'm not trying, Coach Fickle, I apologize. There's probably not a good chance that, that Wisconsin's re- going to recruit you. You know what I mean? I mean, you're not going to take a step from not being recruited by anybody all the way up to, you know what I mean? There's a there's a progression. And when you, those of you that are athletes or parents, just look on Twitter. Look at some of the athletes in the area, their progression. Where do they usually start? They start with, you know, a Division three offer. I don't even know if there's really offers in Division three. But then all of a sudden, now there's a couple small Division II offers. Now you get a bigger school, maybe like an NDSU. They offer they offer them. Now you're starting to see the progression of where your son or daughter is from an athletic standpoint. Typically, unless you're very, very, very special, you're not getting D1 you know, offers right out of the gate. So you have to think that everything is a progression. 
So if you're not getting those high-end offers or high-end interests, um, start choosing the camps you go to a little bit more wisely, something that's more in your wheelhouse. And we're not saying camps, you know, shouldn't be done. It's definitely a great way to, you know, show your athleticism and expose yourself. But at the end of the day, athletes and parents, the film never lies. You can either play or you can't. So that's where the focus needs to be. You need to be ready during your competitive season, all right, your competitive school season to play. And so, you know, also, you know, with this, you have to value what you're missing, okay, versus what you're chasing, all right? You're chasing, you know, the next level of play for your, your son or daughter, you know, which is college sports. You're missing what's right in front of them right now, the opportunity to develop to probably give themselves a better chance if they have a good season. If they have a great season, they show improvement. You know, they dominate. You know, the best player on the field, You typically you have to be one of the best couple players on the field to get looked at, okay? So that should be your first focus. Um, and if you're missing sessions during the summer, you know, especially, you know, some of the sessions that you guys have where, you know, lots, lots predicated on injury prevention with strength and conditioning. So if you're missing those sen- sessions, all of a sudden, now you're putting yourself at risk to get hurt. Now, if you get hurt, all right, you can't play. There's no film. People can't watch you. So it's very cyclical. Um, I would give this advice to strength coaches and football coaches. You know, have a meeting in the spring if you're in a school and just get an idea of where kids are going and then have individual meetings. We meet, obviously, we have the opportunity to meet individually with our kids that do that. We meet with parents, map out what they're doing, figure out how they can make things up in the schools. Obviously you have set times, a lot of times, you know, with, you know, in the summer at schools, right. You guys are gone on the weekends. You don't have that opportunity. Our gyms are open on the weekend. We do have the opportunity to have kids make things up. So we have a little bit more flexibility where we can work around the camp schedules. But at the end of the day, I think we're both under the same thought process. Just choose wisely, choose wisely and communicate. Okay. Um, the people that have been with your son or daughter for all these years, they're going to have the best interest in them. Don't look to the next person, you know, ahead of them to try and talk to them to, you know, cause they're going to, you're talking to a college coach. He's thinking about what's best for his program, right? He's thinking about what's best for his program. His, his job, his livelihood isn't predicated on how many football games Kimberly wins, you know, in 2023 or how many, you know, wins, you know, DePierre or, or Wanakee or how many wins they have. They're thinking about their team because that's his livelihood. So always remember that when you're having those conversations. Question two, dog. And this is a really good one because I know how important culture is for you guys, what a strong culture you guys have built. And it's the same thing for us at Sports Advantage. Uh, very unique. We build a culture within our private setting gyms and things like that. So uh, actually a good start to it. We're moving forward with establishing a very strong culture and things are going in the right direction. What are some of the things to watch for to head off before they negatively impact it for the long term? Boy, that's a that's a great question, Dawes. You want to hit on some of that? You want me to go first? <clears throat> I'll tell you what, just because you went got done talking, I'll go first. But fire it. I think you got to get on it right away. Them little things become big things. You let the little things slide it continues to roll. So I think whatever your expectations are, wherever your bar is set, you have to, day one, you have to make sure that they understand 
the clear expectations of what you expect and what your culture is all about. And then you have to be consistent with it. You can't just allow it one day and then hey, the next day you let it slide. And then the next day it's different. Or one coach lets it slide, the other one doesn't. I think when you have stuff and you enforce stuff, it has to be everybody. And I think that's one of the things, the best cultures, the best teams, the best businesses, the best families do is it is what it is. And they're going to be very consistent with it. And I think kids love discipline. They love the bar raised. They love to have a great culture. I think, I think the people that are trying to sustain that high culture or high expectations sometimes give in to the athletes or to the people that they have every day because sustaining and keeping a culture at an all time high is work. Yes. Be honest. It's work. And there's times when it's a lot easier just to, I didn't see that. I'm not going to worry about it. We'll take care of it tomorrow. And there's a situation where you have to think is, oh, geez, now this is going to be, this, this could be conflict. This could be extra time. This is going to be more effort on my part, but I have to do it if we are going to have a great culture. And I think too many, you know, people that are trying to change a culture don't want to deal with that. Right. And they, you know, it was done like this in the past. So what are kids going to do? They're going to continue to do that. When you change that, that takes work because you have to train those individuals to say, no, we're not going to fall back to the old way. Correct. We are going to continue to move on. And then when our culture is set, believe it or not, once we start doing a really good job, we might even try to do some things to make our culture even more positive, more better. And, you know, that's what, that's my take on it. And it takes work and lots of people. It's hard. So hard. Yeah, it's so hard because some, you, know, you, you see this in, the world parents want to be their kids friend they want to be their kids friend so they give in or there's there's maybe a divorce in the family and the the mom you know is going to give their kids everything and the dad's going to try to be the disciplinarian or vice or vice versa. or vice versa yeah vice versa yeah and then you know who would the kids gravitate to they gravitate to the path of least path of least resistance yeah all the time. So now, okay, that's a family situation. Let's talk about the sport coach and the coaching. Well, this coach, I'm going to ask, I'm going to talk to him because I know he's going to let me get away with it, but I'm not going to talk to that other coach because I know they will not let me get away with this. Where are the kids going to go to? Who's the athlete going to go to? The path of least resistance. So here it, it, it constantly works like this. And that's why it's very important that everyone is on the same page. But I'll tell you, if you raise the bar, in my experience, no matter what setting you're in, the business setting, the educational setting, the private sector, and all kids want to do well. They want to please you. They want to be a part of something that's bigger than just them. And that's what athletics really has to offer to a lot of student athletes and they want, and, and they take pride into, Hey, this is the way we do things. This is the way we do things in our family. 
This is the way we do things in our business. This is the way we do things with our team. And kids take tremendous pride in that. So when you think as a coach that, oh, this kid's not going to like me, that, that, you know, this and that, they'll actually like you more because they are, they will understand that that's making them a better person. And if you make them a better person, they're going to make other people better people. And therefore, there's no better satisfaction than helping others, Brian. Dean, I think, I think building a culture may be one of the hardest things to do in all sports because you have, you can't waver. There's no gray area, but I think sustaining a strong culture may be the hardest thing to do because you know know I mean? We've talked about this so much. Uh, I see it in my gyms. You know, you and I talk about, I see in schools because the people you've built the culture with typically the athletes and even some coaches, they're not there anymore. You know, in schools, you'll see coaches that move on. You'll see assistant coaches. You'll see strength guys. They move on. Maybe you're one of your assistants is now a head coach. You know, so now you have to get this new coach up to date on what the culture is. Same at Sports Advantage. Same with with athletes, right? You know, you guys were building your culture with guys like AJ Klein. Well, guess what? AJ Klein isn't there anymore. You know what I mean? He can come back and talk, you know, once or twice. And, you know, and some uh, we can go down a list of kids you guys have built your culture with there. But a lot of you kids that are in your weight room right now were in, in grade school when that culture was being built or in yeah. middle school. And same with us. A lot of our kids that, you know, we just are graduating, you know, two girls that are want key gym that, you know, really were foundationally foundational for building our culture in that want key gym, you know, state champion, high jumper, all state volleyball player, you know, and, and from a female perspective, because building a culture, you know, intermix in a gym scenario like ours, you have males, females, middle school, high school. So that's really hard to do. But once, <clears throat> and then you have kids that want to be a part of it. You know, you're going to get kids from the outside that want to be a part of the culture. And sometimes they just want to be a part of it. They don't want to make it better. They just want to kind of be there and hang out. And that's not, that's not what our culture is all about. Like you're going to be an active participant. And so I think, the, the old adage, what you permit is what you promote, is, is a thing to follow. But just a couple tips uh, for those of you out there. If kids start showing up late, um, if kids start missing lifts, uh, if kids start talking back, bad body language, you know, if you see some of that stuff, you got to nip it right in the bud right away. You can't look the other way. Just because you won a championship last year, oh, it'll be okay. No, that's where, you know. That's where Olympus falls, essentially, is when you start letting some of those things. We talk with our staff all the time. Little problems become catastrophes. And Brian, I just want to take that a little step further, is when you when you tell them that, hey, this is why we don't do stuff, you got to explain why. I think that's so important. Hey, we don't roll our eyes back to a coach, a teacher, uh you know, a family member, some somebody in our situation, because then that's a, a negative thing. Yeah. And it, you explain that that's not what we do. Hey, we put our weights away for a reason. Right. And this is what we do. Not a, a, that I'm picking on you to put your weights away. No, this is a safety thing. This is a culture thing. This is how we do everything. 
Correct. And explain why we do that and explain that why everyone does that. You're no different than anyone else. So I think it's very important when when you do say something and you have that conversation, you just reiterate to them why you are telling them to do what they're doing. And better yet, if you have somebody in your setting, whether it's at home, again, business, wherever team setting, if they say it versus the coach saying it or the mom or dad or the business owner, that tells you a lot about your culture right there. Yeah. That I've, it always, I've, have to be. I, I've loved that, that concept that you guys really taught me. Hey, yes. it's the best cultures is when the players say, Hey, that's, this is how we do things or that's not how we do things here. When Love you it. have, when you have that, you, and when I was at Wisconsin, like, you know, Joe Thomas, those are our best teams, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, guys that, that led, on the field as a player versus needing the coach to, to do that stuff, I think was great. And, yeah. and culture is everything. You know, you can win probably two or three games a year just by having a better culture. You know what I mean? You see, you see a lot of talented teams in our state in a lot of sports that don't finish the deal. And a lot of times it's just based on culture because they're not disciplined. They're a little sloppy they go through the motions and it's okay. Like that's okay with them. You know what I mean? Um, cause, cause sometimes just being cool is a lot more important than being disciplined. And at the end of the day, uh, I'll tell you the truth. Like hoisting a trophy is a lot cooler than watching someone else hoist it. So um, question three, dog. This is a conjugate question here. You've got to get a little, little strength work in here, a little strength work in here. Coach, we don't have bands and chains in our weight room. Couldn't fit it into the budget this year. How do you utilize the dynamic effort day with no accommodating resistance? Well, Dean, I mean, really, when you look at the accommodating resistance formula or when you look at the dynamic days, you're trying to use anywhere between. We try and use anywhere from 70 to 85% at the top. So that means, you know, whatever the bar weight is, you know, and the accommodating resistance, which we typically use bands for the most part, somewhere between 70 to 85 at the top. So if you don't have bands or chains, you know, take 70% of the kids bench and then just straight weight it. You know, it's, it's a pretty, pretty simple way to handle it. Um, accommodating resistance obviously is nice. Um, a little bit more specific, but at the end of the day, if you don't have it, it's, it's, it's still a straight formula of what you can use. And you have to make sure that the kids are moving the bar. That is the most important thing. Intent on the barbell, move it with speed, move it with intent, short rest periods, and go through. You can do that with your deadlifts. You can do it with your box squat. Squat, I would make sure, one thing, Dean, I see people make mistakes on is if they're doing use, utilizing the box squat for their dynamic effort day, uh, they take 70% of their free squat, which you can't do that. You have to get a number for the box squat because they're two different exercises and make sure you take 70% of whatever exercise you're using on the dynamic effort day. So if you're using, you know, a box squat, you take 70 to, you know, 85% of their box squat weight. If you're using a sumo deadlift, use a sumo versus conventional. Um, so just make sure you're doing that. How do you, you guys have bands and chains, but any thoughts on that? No, I think, you know, that's a great question because a lot of coaches that call me, that's the first thing that they, they say right away. Well, we don't have the money to get these right away. Well, first of all, then you got to, 
you got to get it in there and you got to start getting a few bands here and there and you got to get some chains. And then, you know, if it's important enough to you and you understand the importance of doing the dynamic effort, then you have to make it work. And you, what do you got to fundraise for it? Whether you got the school budget for it, but I always say it's about priority. But if you don't have any, then you got to make sure that bar is moving fast. And you can do that with bar weight. I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think you have to educate, educate, educate. You have to be able to make sure that you're moving that bar fast. And that's what I love about the conjugate, Brian, for doing this for 28 years, is we talked about that kid that got the camp. Well, he's got the camp. Well, he's going to leave for the camp tomorrow. And we got maximal effort um, lower body. Yep. Well, he's just going to do the dynamic lower body that day. He could, yeah. And all of a sudden, boom, he's primed up. His central nervous system's prime. He goes to camp. Two days later, he performs. Hey, he's got explosion. He's not tired. Right. And so that is very important for people to understand. That's what's nice about conjugate. You can modify Right. For all these things that come up. And that's why I said athletes, you got to communicate because if you do a max effort squat and then all of a sudden you say, well, tomorrow I'm going to be at this camp and they're going to test my 40. Well, you just, all you need to do is communicate. We would have changed it to dynamic instead of max effort. And all right. of a sudden you're ready to go and you're going to perform better than anything right? because your central nervous system is primed up and you're not fatigued. So that is what I love about the conjugate system so much. And you have to understand, the other thing is kids want to go heavy, heavy all the time. They think the only way they can get better is to go heavy. Well, if you go heavy all the time, you're going to get hurt, especially if you're working the same exercise, right. same planes of motion. So that's why the conjugate's always changing things up. You're always getting that dynamic. You're always getting that max effort. It's just so simple, in my opinion, to be able to work in an in-season program, out-of-season program, all-year program, because you can tailor it to in-season real easy. You can tailor it to things that happen like this, like we're talking about today, camps. You can tailor it to people with vacations. It's so easy to modify without having to individualize it just specifically for one person. So you can have a mass program, but you manipulate it real easy by you can change the day to the situation to be best for the individual that's doing the program. And that's what I really like about it. If you're doing the old traditional, hey, we're going to move up to reps, we're going to cycle, start out with high reps, linear progression, and then you're going to go to heavy. If you're going to sit there and do three sets of 10, four sets of 10, and all this, you're going to crush the athlete if they got to go to a camp the next day. Right. All that kid's going to do is perform very bad. Well, and the other thing too, Dean, if you're in, in some type of other program, like and you're caught in a camp situation, they may be in weeks of eccentrics. Yes. You got extra time or isometrics. You know what I mean? Some of the other program designs, like how, how do you, how do you wave out of that? Okay. Well, we got eccentrics for the first, you know, two or three weeks of, you know, certain different strength programs what do you do well you you don't just because now if you take them out of that eccentric phase according to the way that program is written now you're disrupting the the development so that's where the conjugate method again is the king because you're constantly you're in it year round you're constantly rotating exercises you're rotating stimulus and the other thing too athletes dean brought up a good part about the camp 
let your coach know ahead of time or if you have a game coming up because the one other area that we can definitely knock some some stuff out is in the GPP. We can yeah. knock out some volume. So you're not doing a lot of volume in your high rep stuff at the end. That's where a lot of times kids get fatigued. So that's why the conjugate is king during in-season. You come in, you either do your dynamic or your, your max effort you know, exercise for the day. You get a couple quick auxiliaries for injury prevention and out the door. Kids still get stronger because they're still lifting maximally. Kids still continue that explosive movement pattern with the dynamic effort stuff. And you just tail it around. And it's funny meeting with coaches, you know, we've been doing this and I went on a, I think it was like an eight or nine school tour last week, Dean, with all our consulting. And the main question we get is in-season training. Well, they, they, they don't need to train more than 20, 30 minutes, twice a week. They come in, you know, they hit their max effort, you know, they get, get a couple auxiliaries in, they get a little mobility in, maybe some explosive movements out the door. They get their dynamic work in upper and lower body, a couple auxiliaries out the door. It doesn't have to be that hard, guys. Don't make it harder than it is. Yeah, and Brian, the thing too is you're always in peak position, peak shape. Yeah. You're always peaked. You know this thing. Oh, we got to get people peak. You're when you're in the kanji, you're always ready to go. Yeah. So say an unexpected camp comes up again. Oh, and I'm gonna or this opportunity a scout's gonna come in your area. You're ready there. Yeah. You're, you're ready to go. It's not. Well, I gotta wait four more weeks till I'm in peak you know, condition to, to perform at my best. I'm always at my best, right? Always ready to perform at a high level. And you do it like a linear periodization thing. And you start out with high volume early in the season. Them kids are crushed because they're probably doing two a days in their sport. Right. So now you're just doing them a disservice and you're increasing their chance of injury, in my opinion. Right. No. And you're right. You know, same thing with eccentrics or isometrics, Right. If you're waving those in and out all the time, what if a kid, you know, and, and kids get that. I'm sure you guys get it where coaches just pop. Hey, we're coming tomorrow. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, if the kids are constantly in a situation where they're training maximally and they're training optimally, right. They're, they're always ready. So they, they, a, a, a training session should not affect them. You know what I mean? That if you're constantly being consistent with it, if you're doing the methods, right. Uh, if you're, you're, you know, dosing your, your sprint volume and your change of direction volume at a, at a smart level where kids aren't getting crushed. Sprinting and speed development is not conditioning. Change of direction movement and balance work is not conditioning. Okay. Coaches need to remember that you're not out there on the field, you know, crushing the kids with volume because at the end of the day, that's what wears them down. So we got to be smart about that. But again, with no change in bands, straight weight, 70 to 85%. If your kids aren't moving the bar, take some weight off. It's real simple, right? Move it fast, be aggressive with it, rotate through. Dog, man, that was good Q&A, good stuff, good yeah. stuff. Tell us a little bit about the club right now. How's that going? Hey, club's Fire. going Club's going great. We got more kids than, than ever. We went to one awesome. session instead of two this year, and we got middle school kids, high school kids, college kids. Kids are getting better. You know, it's so awesome. We saw it at the state track meet, too, is not only are you getting better as a thrower, but you're getting more friends. You're yeah. talking, you're having relationships, you're competing against people. And I think it's really helped the athletes not only get better from a throwing standpoint, but it's really helps individuals get better socially as well. And that's the biggest thing that I really like to see. We talk about don't break the chain. Hey, every day do something better to get yourself better athletically, hey, academically, and then as a better person. And I know you guys do something very similar at Sports Advantage. 
but take advantage of these opportunities in the summer and get better. And to be able to do them to a place close by you is just a huge asset and be around other like-minded individuals. Brian, we do this podcast, we get like-minded individuals, growth mindsets that makes all of us better. And that's what we try to do at the club as well. And again, please share the show, right? We're not running ads. So we're not getting, yes. you know, everybody that shares the show, we appreciate it. Dean, just to piggyback before we hop off here, uh, one of the coolest things that I've been able to experience over the last couple of years, kind of like, as you're saying with the club, where you're getting to meet new people, stuff like that, been to you know numerous grad parties, obviously. And I think outside of just the conversations with parents and coaches, grad parties, the thing that I feel the best about, about what we do at Sports Advantage is I see athletes from quote unquote rival schools that are at grad parties. And the main reason is because they met at sports advantage. And that to me, that to me is what it's really all about, right? You can have that rivalry on the field, but at the end of the day, mutual respect, uh, mutual caring and and love for each other is what we preach. Uh, Hard work on three together on six has never been stronger in our gyms. And at the end of the day, that to me, is maybe one of the coolest things that our mission has given a lot of these kids across the state of Wisconsin. We're going to give it to more. I like where Dean's head was a little bit earlier in the podcast about having a sports advantage near him. Um, We're going to try and make that happen sooner rather than later. Um, But other than that, please share the show. We appreciate you tuning in. We will see you next time. Chop it.